Before we start today's podcast, I wanted to take a minute to pay tribute to Grant Wall, who passed away due to an aortic aneurysm while covering the World Cup in Qatar. Wall was a great reporter and an even better person who had a massive impact on so many people and was committed to growing the game of soccer in the United States and was even more committed to social justice causes around the world. Our thoughts and prayers are with Grant's family and friends, and we know the soccer world, and especially the soccer world in the U.S., will never be the same without him. Rest in peace, Grant Wall. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 4040 Vision podcast. I'm your host, Khaled Abdallah, and I am joined today by my co-host and good friend, Osama Dahoud, to talk about the 2022 World Cup. How you doing, man? I'm relieved now. I could I could breathe. I'm not going to lie. I was a I was a mess for most of that game. Yeah. So we're recording it about an hour after uh, the last penalty was taken, and that was probably the best. Not even just the best final we've ever seen. Maybe the best World Cup game, period, like of our lifetime. What do you Let's think? Let's go prisoner of the moment. It might be the best sporting game of all time, given the stakes, the players in the game. The, the legacy, the manner in which like mm-hmm. the game unfolded, it, it, it's, it's really up there as we were texting about the about a football game last night. I think it was like Colts or it was uh, it was like that. Anyway, there was a couple was like, crazy games yesterday. Yeah, yeah those were just like warm ups yesterday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like Hollywood script, you know, that the best player of his generation has a chance at being immortalized it it doesn't get better than this no absolutely not and like yesterday we got a little taste of some craziness uh with the nfl and with uh, the crazy vikings comeback and uh we get a great bills game where the snow comes in sweeping in in the last five minutes and we're like all right it's a pretty good sports weekend morocco morocco croatia was was solid in the morning and then we get this this was like the best dry aged kobe beef entree like after you've had i don't know some escargot as an appetizer and uh, i saw a couple tweets that were trying to compare what we saw today like contextualize it to maybe the less informed american fan and someone said this is as if it was michael jordan against lebron james game seven of the nba finals and they both scored like 50 points but (laughs) jordan hits basically the game winner in triple overtime to end the game. And I was like, yeah, that, that tracks. I, I can see that. And like with the stakes, the legacy, all of that, man, just I- incredible. I mean, we can, we can start from the beginning. You know, there were some dicey calls. We can say that, right? Can you agree on, yeah, on that one at least? <laughs> yeah. I'd say both, both of the early penalties were soft. The uh, one that Messi scored and the one Mbappe scored, you're like, okay, that's, debatable but the last one that was just hard luck right just incredibly bad luck with the hand being up but that's some kind of like what defending 101 you know but the other goals just like the best possible versions of each of these players Messi creating setting up that uh, that Di Maria goal with an incredible touch and then he scores what he thought was the game winner and then Mbappe with like not maybe not his typical goal, but you see 
that he's not just like pace and and speed, right? He's he's technique, he's skilled, he's one of the best. I mean, he's he's trying to take that mantle, right, of of the next goat. Um, what were some of the other like storylines and moments that really stood out to you in the final? Oh man, I mean, I so we were texting last night, and I thought that Argentina might start a back five to try and offset Mbappe and just kind of crowd the wing. Um, and limit him kind of like what Morocco did, made him play defense. And they did it with a back four, which I was surprised to see, but it worked very effectively. I was surprised to see how easy it looked for them at times to the effect where uh, Didier Deschamps just had to take out Ousmane Dembele in 25 minutes into the game because uh, he gave up the penalty as soft as it was. That side was even easier than the Mbappe side, and he's not going to take off Mbappe. Um, so I thought that Argentina forced France to make some adjustments because they weren't getting enough um, on the defensive side of the ball. You can have Mbappe walk around uh, and, and kind of rest and, and pick his moments uh, on the counter. But you have Giroud, Mbappe, uh, and Dembele. You're, you're losing a lot there. So I, I thought that they were good substitutions because they, they were at risk of really getting picked apart. Yeah, and I think, uh, so it was, it was in the 41st minute, so I thought he was going to wait for halftime, but he didn't even do that. He was just like, screw it, like we're here, we need to make this change, and of course it was the right call. Uh, I think Kolomwani had, uh, he for, he got the penalty, he almost scored the, the game winner at the end, like in the 121st minute, or whatever it was, so he Oof. made the right call. Uh, I mean, maybe not in the starting lineup, but we've seen, I mean, Morocco did the same thing yesterday, where they tried to tried a little something a little different and then you know they realized pretty quickly that all right our you know our, our initial strategy isn't really working out so we gotta we gotta mix things up uh, and what was really cool to me was aside from the messy legacy talk like getting to see like Angel Di Maria who's another you know big time player with an incredible history and then this dude is you know definitely his last tournament he's 34 and he looked like he was 24 out there he cooked Dembele I mean for what we 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 can say the penalty looked a little soft he was he still cooked that dude and forced him off the game you know in 40 minutes so he did his part and I think for all the talk about Messi's teammates like letting him down throughout his career this was the one time that they didn't you know well aside from the Copa America but this is the big stage this is what people really care about it's a pretty young squad, too. I was looking at their ages, and aside from Messi and Di Maria, you have Julian Alvarez, he's 23, and Fernandez is, is, is 21, 22 years old. Uh, it, it's, it's a much younger core than uh, past Argentina teams would have had, like, Ever Benega and Javier Pastore, and a much older core. Uh, they were willing to fight for him, man. It, 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 I, when we first talked about the World Cup last time, uh, I picked them because it really did look like they wanted it for for Messi, um, and that's what people have been saying all tournament, and it, it showed that, that Saudi Arabia game. I think they were written off. Uh, we talked about. It. I said, look, Spain lost to Switzerland in in the opening turn- game of that tournament, and they still ended up winning the thing. It's happened a couple times. Um, I think Argentina's turning point in the in the tournament was the goal against Mexico. Uh, Messi kind of yeah, gave absolutely. them a sigh of relief. And uh, they kind of work despite a couple of collapses, as we've seen. This is this tournament has been like that. I don't know if it's real, if it's Argentina's fault 
but this tournament has been complete chaos every single day. And that's what's made it probably the best one of our lifetime. I mean, it wasn't always the best soccer being played, but it was exciting. And I mean, Argentina, they, they gave us plenty of chaos and confusion. And I mean, I, I think they probably looked at that Saudi Arabia game like, okay, we basically scored, I don't know, they scored like eight goals or something and like, or at least five. And they were, most of them were waved off because of penalties. And then the rest of the tournament was just chaos after they beat Mexico, after they beat Poland, which was, I think, pretty, pretty comfortable. But even against Australia, like they made things really uncomfortable for themselves with the own goal. And they had a, basically to fight for the last 10 minutes. And, and then of course, Netherlands, they let go a two goal lead again. And then, you know, <laughs> basically rinse and repeat until, until the final. So, so whose, whose legacy is more impacted by this world cup? Is it uh, Messi or Emiliano Martinez? Who's the true goat after this one? Uh, well, I mean, obviously, I mean, you know, Martinez, for sure. He's the one who should get all the... No, I mean, Messi was player of the tournament. He was brilliant. I mean, I know he won player of the tournament in 2014, uh, but he still... He, he was great, but not like this, where he really mm-hmm. owned it, and it was clear that he was the best player of this tournament, carrying this team to the final. Martinez, you know what I love about Martinez is he really made his name. He has a great story. He attended the 2018 final as a fan. Um, and he was looking for work in England. He attended as a fan and he won the Copa America like three years later and he won the World Cup too. So a great story. I loved him in their Copa America run. He was like talking shit to the other players during penalties. He was trying to get them. And because it was like during COVID, the the you could hear the stuff he was saying and he was just like really trying to get in their heads it's i mean he, and he, he was huge he was just massive um when it went to penalties a lot of folks thought that if it did that argentina had the advantage there and it showed he got the big save yeah he was the difference maker i mean he won them the copa america i think he had they went they i don't know if it, the final went to penalties i think they beat brazil 1-0 but uh, leading up to the final, they had a shootout, and he won that. And you think about some of the other like heartbreaks in Messi's career, not just international, but primarily international. I think they lost the twenty, was it fourteen or the twenty sixteen, the Copa America Centenario, whatever, whichever that was. I think it was twenty sixteen. They lost that one on penalties, and Messi missed the decisive penalty. I think to lose to Chile. So now yep. he gets this like oh. gift, you know? Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I, important to note about that is he skied it over the bar. He put his face into his jersey. And then that was the summertime. So they go on summer break. He comes back to Barcelona the next season in a complete midlife crisis. His hair is blonde. He has this tattoo sleeve. He looked like Hulk Hogan. He looked really weird after losing that. And he said he was going to retire from international football after that. Uh, so it's great to see that he didn't. Obviously, it worked out for him, but that was a turning point in his career. Yeah, and then of course the next the next major tournament, he gets this gift in the form of this random keeper who's six foot five. He's like a foot taller than everybody else on the Argentina team, and he's just an absolute menace. He's just like you know, you talk about the beautiful game and Messi and the technique and the precision and, oh, he's magic. And then you look at this giant who's just a master of the dark arts. 
and he's he's doing the mind games. He's psyching these guys out. And, of course, he comes up huge with the big save at the end of the game and comes up with, what was it, two saves uh, in the shootout. So I, I tweeted that Messi owes him a mansion or something like that because he's been the, the great or, or some land in, in Rosario or Buenos Aires or something. I don't know what he has to do to pay this guy back, but it's been incredible. Yeah, man. So, I, uh, I, uh, sorry, I was going to say, I was walking around my house at first trying to catch my breath. And I realized that I was running out of breath and I needed to sit down because I started to get lightheaded, right? Building another, it's like I needed to pick just an yep. awkward spot. I sat really like, I sat sideways, crooked, just with my hand over my mouth, just staring, not reacting until, until the, the, the kick that decided it. That was the most stressed I've ever been watching sports. Yeah, I've got my uh, Fitbit on. It's got a heart rate monitor. I was up to like 130 at some point during the game. And that's like a, that's the fat burn level, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I was at, but I was freaking out, man. That, that, that was, I was texting you and I was like, look, it's, it's really not over. Like we saw the Netherlands game and we'll, we'll, we'll get to mm-hmm. that. Um, we could talk about this final forever. Do you want to talk about the rest of the tournament or do you have anything else on, on, on the big game? Yeah, I mean, like you said, we could talk about it forever. There was just so many twists and turns, and it, it, it felt like three games packed into one with the way it started, the way it ended, at least ex, you know regular regular time, and then extra time. It was just it was incredible. It was interesting because it really looked like it was over. Mbappe was invisible the entire game. And, I mean, it's funny to to make these headlines about individual players where you need a great team to win. Uh, I mean, in this specific case, it's insane that the two big names delivered this way, Messi versus Mbappe. It sounds weird in, in world soccer to do that, like such and such versus such and such, but they it was the best player in the world against the greatest player of all time. It has to be some sort of pay-per-view box office billing for this game. So he, he goes unnoticed for 80 minutes and then makes the penalty and then complete chaos two minutes later rips through the defense. 93 seconds later. Yeah. <laughs> On the spot. 93 seconds later. A Golasso, uh, just a perfect strike, finisher strike, and turned the game on its head completely. But I feel like after that, France did get their chances. They it was a lot like the Netherlands game where they let off a bit and Argentina created a bunch of chances. And that's how they went ahead again on that uh, Lotaro Martinez uh, shot with the Messi put back. Argentina really did. They, they, their intensity was, was incredible. I think the opening 30 seconds, Rodrigo de Paul gave Teo Hernandez a good elbow to the back to see what he could get away with. It was that kind of game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I tweeted like, we're going to see Argentina try to muck things up and see what kind of physicality they can get away with. And the ref let a lot go. He was, there was a couple times where he should have played advantage, but for the most part, he was, he was letting the physicality go. He was letting these guys play. uh, And he wasn't calling much, which of course helped kind of the flow of the game. And it just made it more open-ended. And that was, what was really cool is you usually expect in a final, it's going to be kind of cagey. Both teams are going to be afraid to really ex- extend themselves and, and leave themselves open. And we saw, of course, 
on the on the second Argentina goal more so than the first, like France just left themselves completely exposed. And we saw that repeatedly, even in extra time. Like they, they were going for it and Argentina had plenty of chances and it was just heroic defending really on both ends that, that kept things, you know, level for the most part. That Di Maria goal, it was all one touch football. It was amazing to watch everyone messy with the flick. And it was, I want to say DePaul or, or maybe Molina to um, Alvarez to Di Maria, just perfect, perfect counterattack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like it's, you said we can talk about this all day, but we don't have all day. So, uh, you know, we, we talked about a couple other things leading up. Um, so we're going to pick some of our favorite games in the uh, group stage, the knockout rounds, talk about favorite goals, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll go back to the beginning of the tournament, which honestly feels like a year ago. <laughs> it feels like yeah. that Sunday, you know, with um, Qatar against Ecuador in the opening game. It honestly feels like, it was forever ago. I can barely remember the details. But what was your your favorite game of the group stage? We can pick a couple, but we'll start with one. What was your favorite one? Of, of the group stage? That's a good question. Uh, in terms of entertainment, it was probably... It's a specific like window, to be honest. It has to be the Argentina versus Poland, Mexico versus Saudi Arabia. That was probably the craziest game of the group stage because of the implications they were uh poland is 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 losing to argentina and then mexico is beating saudi arabia and then they're tied with poland on goal difference and points and they were running out of like tiebreakers they're like okay next up is uh fouls and yellow cards and they were dead even on i don't know what was going to be the tiebreaker it was like the witching hour of of nfl red zone i thought that maybe they were going to have them do like a, a world capitals uh, knowledge contest or a game of Jeopardy. I don't know what was going to be the deciding factor. It, literally, it's it's on the FIFA website. It's drawing lots. What is that? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's like it's like uh, drawing straws and whoever gets the short straw, like, doesn't move on. I don't know. Can you imagine that being televised? Like, hey, Mexico and uh, Poland, like you can literally roll a dice. And let's see who comes up big. I don't know. I've never seen it in action. Yeah. that, that When I heard drawing, I thought you would know. I thought drawing lots was some sort of uh, joke. Let's see who can draw the best parking lot. I don't know. It just sounds weird. It's not phrased right. Yeah. Okay. So that was that's a good one. Um, I had that one as well. So we don't need to rehash my opinion on it. But it was it was absolute batshit crazy. Um, my My favorite game that wasn't, didn't have immense consequences or at least it didn't decide the group was uh, Japan versus Germany. I think this was before the cup, like we talked about on the other podcast, we're like, who's going to have home field advantage at this world cup. I thought maybe Qatar, obviously that didn't work out, but it turned out that it was the Asian and the Arab teams and a little bit of the African teams too. I guess Morocco is a little bit of both, but Morocco definitely had home field, but so did Japan. And their fans showed out because I guess it is an Asian World Cup. And South Korea uh, also made it out of their group. So, uh, but yeah, Japan versus Germany, it was like a signal that, okay, this is going to be a little bit different than some of the previous World Cups. This isn't going to be just European domination the whole way through. That's a, that's, that's a good shout. Um, th- those were the two unexpected also. I mean, Japan coming out of that group with Spain and Germany, 
beating Germany and Spain as well. Just really impressive. Um, there's going to be uh, some buzz around a couple of those guys and their performances for sure. Um, and that was, I, I think, a turning point in that added to the drama of the tournament, seeing Germany go out on the group stage, seeing Spain lose in that way and just looking totally flustered. Um, I, that Germany, such a huge disappointment going out in the group stage, two, two World Cups uh, in a row. I, that Japan game was entertaining because Germany was going for it and Japan just, they, they, they caught them slipping on the counter. Did you have any other games from the group stage that particularly stood out or I guess any moments at the end of the groups? Uh, there was another one. It's, I think that was the other moment, really. It was that group with Germany and Spain. And like for a brief moment, Spain was out and a brief moment, Germany was in. There was just like a rotating of the standings in that group, too. Yeah, that was the other one I had, uh, just the chaos around it. And of course, Japan ends up I think Spain played almost a B squad for that. They didn't think that they were going to lose. Uh, and, of course, Japan ends up winning the group and going on to play Croatia. And Spain started off, you know, like gangbusters with that 7-0 win and ultimately didn't really matter. But the other one I had was uh, was Group G, uh, Brazil, Switzerland, Cameroon, and Serbia. Uh, Cameroon gets the famous victory that ultimately didn't matter. But uh, Switzerland, Serbia, that was another just Hollywood blockbuster type movie, just fireworks everywhere there's like seven goals in that game right i think it was four to three or three to two that was a wild wild shootout something like that something like that so what was your favorite game of the knockout stage aside from the final <laughs> we'll say that yeah, that's, that's we could tough. even split it up quarters semi i mean the quarters were kind of they they went as expected right or at least around a 16 did yeah yeah um yeah, because there were really no surprises, it has to be Morocco-Spain just because mm -hmm. of the, the drama. You know, Spain had their chances, Morocco showing this unbelievable defensive discipline. Um, and then, you know, this is probably, this would cut into it a little bit, but it's one of the best moments of the whole tournament is Morocco's Cinderella run. And Ian Dark, who I'm disappointed didn't uh, do commentary on the final, in the build-up to Ashraf Hakimi's game-winning penalty. Mother was born in Madrid. Father was... He sets it up like like cinema, like art. And he just lays it out. And he goes... And he's going to... take. He's taking this penalty against Spain. And he, like, coolly buries it to upset... He hits Spain. the Penenka. Yeah, he hits the Penenka. And then he does, like... A, the Waddle had... It, a lot of American fans will think it's a Jalen Waddle thing. Um, I forget what the tribute is, is supposed to be for, uh, but that was a, an incredible, incredible moment. I think it's his nickname is the Penguin, or it's Mbappe's nickname. So him, Mbappe, and Sergio Ramos do this celebration together. And Sergio Ramos was famously left off the Spain squad. So that's what uh, people yeah. thought it was. Like, hey, I just knocked Spain out. And here's a little shout out to my guy, Sergio Ramos. And they're all, of course, teammates in, at PSG. So it had some layers to it for sure. There you go. Yeah. And he was, again, born in Spain. All incredible. You didn't have a little problem with that? I was like, this is a little much. Like, okay, we get it. He grew up poor. <laughs> like, I think that's one of the favorite like things that, that these, especially the British commentators, love to talk about. They're like, look at this kid, Neymar. He grew up barefoot in the favelas. 
you know, kicking around a, a pig's stomach and now he's on top of the world. Like, I thought it was a little much. Like, okay, you're laying it on a little thick. But, yeah, I don't know. If, if you're going to add to the cinema, you can do it in the World Cup. But if you're doing it like, I don't know, if there was like a Champions League, like, knockout game or something, you'd be like, no, no, you can't do this, Ian Dark. Yeah, Cup. we're not we're not talking uh, we're not talking about laundry like this is uh, national national pride and heritage and stuff. Did you hear the Peter Drury call of the game in that that uh, the end of that game? No, the Ashraf Hakimi. No, I heard the yeah. Arabic ones, but uh, okay, we can get to. But I didn't hear the Peter Drury one. Yeah, well, I can I can send you that one. It was uh, pretty poetic. He's 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 up there. He's he's pretty good with the the setup, and he's got a lot of emotion in his voice and stuff. Um, Morocco, Spain was another one of mine for the early favorites. And then, of course, Morocco, Portugal. That was even more exciting than the Spain one. I mean, we didn't go to penalties, but it, it, if the, what was really cool about the Morocco, Portugal one was like, this doesn't feel like a fluke. Like, they were legitimately at least as good as Portugal. And they finished their chances, and Portugal didn't. So. Yep. Yeah. The, the, that game, you saw it. From the beginning, every time Morocco got a counter, they won the ball. There was just so much space. It's the one mistake that uh, France didn't make was allowing a d- bunch of space the way Portugal did. Even though they only got the one goal, that, that's all you need if you're going to be that threatening. Yeah, exactly. And they just shut everything down. And then, of course, the big talk from that game was Cristiano Ronaldo not starting. What did you think? Do you think he should have started that game? This is interesting. So I look at it as look these are one-off scenarios and that guy is a big game player he's just he's so prolific in the champions league which are is designed to be you know these one-offs it's like practice for the world cup almost because of the stakes so i know that um i forget the dude's first name but ramos he plays for benfica had a great game against switzerland i understand the whole momentum thing i have a couple of friends from portugal they agreed with that but for me, I, I, I'm a little too maybe pragmatic about it. It's like, look, that's Ronaldo. This is a big, big game. I need a big, big time player for a big game. I would have started him personally. I, I, he did come on with, I don't know, 35 minutes or so to go. It's not like he didn't play at all. Uh, but I would have had him in for the whole game. I don't, I don't know what was going on there. I, he did like a Piers Morgan interview and everyone's speculating. Is he off form? Is he just out of favor with management but you still got to play him a little bit but i would have played him yeah i think so ramos did have what the the two goals uh in the in the against south korea i believe it switzerland. was switzerland there you go but i forget who the announcer was or who the commentator after the game it's the, the british lady on uh fox she said you know it makes sense to play someone like ramos because he's more mobile they can hit him on the counter against a team like uh, Switzerland, right? Because they they think that they're on the same level, and they're going to possess the ball, and they're going to give you some space and whatever. But against Morocco, who's really happy to just sit back and let you keep the ball, you need a guy like Ronaldo. You need somebody that's going to win headers. You need someone that's going to hold up play. Like you're not going to be able to run in behind against Morocco because they're sitting back so deep. And I think. That was the major failing. Like you said, he did play 35 minutes. He did get his chance, but it's not the same, right? Like you would think he's going to bury one of those chances that they got early on, you know, one of those headers or crosses or something like that. 
he definitely had an opportunity, but over the course of a game when his legs are fresh and um, yeah, I just, I, I agree completely. You need a person who can win the ball in the air at an elite level. I know he's 37. It's his last World Cup. I, I, I thought it was an unfair way for him to go out like that as a substitute and then losing in that way. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and it's, people want to talk about this being a shot to his legacy and all that. I mean, he's still one of the goats. I mean, I'm sure Messi uh, is probably a lap or two ahead now after winning the World Cup and the way he finished, but he's a couple years younger than Ronaldo. They're in different stages of their career. So I think it, that it just, it was a really unfortunate way for things to end for him. And just the the kind of the shame, obviously he runs off the field crying because they lost and stuff like that. I was happy, obviously Morocco won, but it was just a really like lame way for his international career to end. Yeah. And there's so many iconic moments you see where players leaving that way. My personal favorite is in a, in a maybe after that ranks after today is Zidane, that shot of him walking down the tunnel past the world cup. It's not a, a positive moment, but it's such an iconic shot because it was the last time he ever stepped on a pitch in a jersey to play. Mm. So I, I, I see it the same way with Ronaldo, where he's leaving in tears and you, you feel bad for him. Yeah, and I mean, who knows? He might still come back. The guy who wants to play forever. They've got, I'm sure, some Euro qualifiers coming up. They like they t- they start playing in like a month again. It's like, oh, the World Cup's over. Now we're going to go do the... Uh, I don't know, the UEFA Nations League or some bullshit like that. So who knows? He might still come back. Unless he takes $200 million from Saudi Arabia to play for, uh, play for uh, I think, Al Masr or something like that. <laughs> well, then he'll have he'll be fresh. He won't be playing in the Premier League, so he'll be he'll be good to go for talk, Portugal when they need him. Quickly about the rabid fans online for a second. There was a, yeah, a absolutely. Girl, Moroccan girl who was uh, – was, there was a video of her saying, where's Ronaldo? He's crying in his car. Poor Ronaldo. She's like eight years old. And then you see these, I don't know if you've seen these cuts on TikTok. It'll fly. I have, yeah. Mbappe turning around with his arms full. Like, what is Mbappe going to kick this girl in the head? What are you crazy fans doing? (laughs) Now she's like depressed and not eating and stuff because of the relentless bullying online from the Ronaldo fans. I saw some really questionable posts on reddit and twitter about people you know doubting their faith and saying you know there's a reason things like this happen to the great people and there's a lesson in this i'm like it's, it's really not that deep he just he lost a soccer game let's yeah, let's move he on lost guys the game and he he was sad about it and that was the end of it yeah so did you have a particular goal or goals i know this is not a visual medium but is there one that stuck out um maybe it was how pretty it was maybe it was the the scale or the stakes uh what it you know can you pick a goal for us richarlison's goal is the goal of the tournament just the amount of skill it took bicycle kicks are always gonna get the sexy pick but it was an incredible goal that that has to be the one for sure yeah for me it was there's both or two but the the best team goal i saw was uh netherlands against the u.s the memphis finish it was like I don't know, 10, 11 passes build build out from the back. They cut through the midfield, and then they kind of uh, cut it back for him, and he's wide open in the middle of the box, and, and he just nails it. Uh, the other individual one was Mbappe's second goal against Poland, where he just 
He gets like a you know little bit of space, gets a couple of seconds to think about it at the top of the box, and he just rips one. And it was just so much power. And it just shows like, again, he's not just the fastest guy on the field. Like he's just got, he's got the best technique. He's, he's one of the best players, period. So that was one of my favorites. Even his goal today, that was given the stakes and the clutchness of that goal, that tying the game that quickly, that was an incredible finish. Yeah, to time it like that, it was kind of coming over his uh, his shoulder. Just yeah, especially the stage and the stakes. So for sure, um, is there a favorite player that you maybe well not maybe not necessarily didn't know, but who was somebody that you really enjoyed watching this uh, this tournament other than Messi? Other than Messi. I'll make it a little hard. I'll make it harder for you. You can't just pick Messi. It's too, it's too easy. I loved Hakim Ziyech this tournament. Um, he was just his link up play. With Ashraf Hakimi, how from one side of the field, they were able to open up passing lanes for midfielders, for the wingers. I thought that he he really just, he for anyone that doesn't watch Chelsea or doesn't watch Chelsea this year because they're not playing him enough, uh, was was arguably you know one of the silent stars of the tournament. He didn't get a lot of praise necessarily week in, week out. He doesn't show up on the stat sheet scoring a bunch of goals or a bunch of assists, but out there... He was a huge part of Morocco's run because as a facilitator, um, being able to put guys in space, the link-up play, for me, I was so impressed with him. I'll be watching much more Chelsea games, looking to see what he does week in, week out. Well, hopefully he's he's still there. There's rumors that he's headed to AC Milan uh, on loan in January, which maybe might might make it easier for you to watch because he'll be playing more, but... That was that was one of my picks. It's a double homer pick because obviously we were both rooting for Morocco. I love him as a Chelsea player. Uh, we just don't get to see that level uh, or that Ziyech on uh, Chelsea because he's not given the, the the time. He's not given the opportunities. But that's that's a whole different story. Uh, the other guy I enjoyed watching another homer pick was Pulisic. I thought he was great in the group stage, uh, not so much in the um, uh, round of sixteen, but they're playing a much better team. But he was the man of the match against England. He was the best player on the field. He was dangerous. Um, he, I think he did actually end up winning man of the match. And then, of course, he scores that all-important goal against Iran. Uh, so With his penis. that's my yeah. <laughs> I think well, he they they said after the game it was an abdominal injury, quote unquote. It was it's real like close, I, it didn't look yeah. like it. Yeah, it, it was in the general abdominal area, sure. Um, and then the obvious pick has to be Mbappe, right? Yeah, 100%. I mean, he repeated his success at the last tournament. He was the breakout star of the last tournament. You can't really say that about him now because we know how good he is. Uh, But uh, yeah, I was in France uh, and I watched with the French people, France, Denmark, and they love him. Like the whenever he got the ball, everyone's like jumping and cheering, Mbappe, and then French, you know, incoherent French after that. yeah, it's 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 really awesome to see a player that adored by a nation. Yeah, so he's I mean, Messi won player of the tournament, scored the most goals, I think. Uh, a couple Mbappe penalty did. goals in there. Mbappe won the golden boot. He scored eight oh, goals. Oh, well, there you go. And only one was a penalty for Mbappe. So he he showed up, he showed out, did everything that we we expected. I I going in, I thought France would um would collapse or not collapse but choke a little bit going in i didn't think i think that they would underperform but they ended up just you know going crazy um and speaking of breakout stars who who's someone that you didn't know much about 
and they came out and really showed out on on the world stage. Or maybe you did know about them, but the rest of the world didn't. Yeah, there, I have a few players here, and one of them might be my ignorance. I was not aware of how good Jude, Jude Bellingham was. Um, he was okay. the best player for England this tournament, like a box-to-box midfielder, not showing anything on the stat sheet, uh, but facilitating um, a really a ball-winning midfielder. I was really impressed with him. He looks like a leader, too. You saw Harry Kane, after he missed the penalty, he walked up to him, the first guy to console him. Uh, he's going to go for big, big money. I don't know where he plays. This is my ignorance again, uh, but super impressed with him. He was tremendous. Yeah, he's been he's been warming up. So he and he's used to play for. Old. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say he's also a baby. Can't even drink legally yet in the U.S. Um, so he was at Birmingham City on the youth team, and he goes to Dortmund. I think when he was seventeen. Dortmund. Yeah. yeah. And Birmingham City retired his number. <laughs> so, they knew they're like, all right, this guy's going to be something special, which I is, is pretty ridiculous. But yeah, he's at Dortmund now, and he's going to be like the next big Dortmund star to, to get sold for you know 100, 150 million pounds. Crossing my fingers, it's Chelsea. There's a lot of rumors, but yeah, he's going to go in the 100 to 120 range just because he's so good and he's so young and, and he has all the attributes that you look for. So that that's a good one. Uh, anybody else? Yeah, um, Julian Alvarez. I know he plays for Manchester City, but I don't know if he gets a lot of run there, given how stacked that front line is. He was great in this tournament. He had some great goals on the receiving end of that Messi assist against Croatia. He showed a great finishing. He was also willing to backtrack on defense and and, and challenge and press. I thought he was showed real commitment there. Uh, and the other is um, was Enzo Fernandez. He didn't start the first game for uh, for Argentina. He had that. Big goal. He showed he had the cojones to take a, a shot on goal against uh, against uh, Mexico, and he was great. He played the almost the entire game today. Uh, he was in the midfield, just con- keeping things really congested, giving France a hard time, especially Antoine Griezmann. Super impressed uh, with him too. Yeah, I had Alvarez as one of mine. Um, the other one is is the Moroccan kid uh, Ezzedine Unahi, who plays for this. I had to actually had to look up how to pronounce this. It's Angers. Who play, yeah, he plays for Angers uh, in League One. He's 22. Uh, he's one of those kids that is looked destined to be kind of a lower league player, maybe mid-tier League One. But after a performance like this, he's probably going to get sold because that's what these French leagues do. They really just farm out this talent. And he's, he's a friend of mine joked that he's going to Leicester City because they love buying French players on the cheap. <laughs> so he's going to be the next Conte, the next uh, you know Riyad Mahrez. So. Uh, he's my pick for for breakout star. League one, um, yeah. <laughs> Enzo Fernandez, one player of the tournament. I just read, or young player. Did he? Young, young player. player. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Messi out for player, young player of the tournament. Yeah, and uh, it. I mean, these guys just. I, I, that's one of my favorite things is when these guys who maybe play for the lower leagues or or lesser known leagues just completely just ball out and. Uh, I think Fernandez plays for Benfica, but he probably won't be there for long. So they're another one, they're another club or, or league that just sells these dudes off. But yeah, I, I, I really struggle with French pronunciation. I don't know about you, but <laughs> I just have a hard time with it. Yeah, I think it's because it's a little bit different in which words they kind of swallow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are, are silent and which one. That, that's, that's the challenge. It's so different. 
It's like the American brain in me sees a team, you know, spelled N-A-N-T-E-S. You're like, oh, yeah, that's Nantes. It's like, no, it's Nantes. Nantes. Yeah. <laughs> like, like croissant is with a w it's croissant like it's not even yeah. <laughs> what are you supposed to do with that like <laughs> it's either you got it or you don't it's like arabic with the and the kha. like you either got it or you don't simple as that yeah i think in english we're used to speaking with our tongues so if you don't know how to speak with your throat arabic is, sounds also very very challenging absolutely so what are some of your let's say overall thoughts on this world cup if you could uh, like elevator pitch this World Cup to me, what do you you know what what are you thinking? What what's the what really stood out to you? The overall excitement of of the games. I think that this is real a real going to be a really hard tournament to top. It's the best World Cup in our lifetime easily, um, and I, I think what will stand out is just the quality of play and the action and the theme. That I'll remember is the stoppage time, the extra stoppage time yes. with always like seven <laughs> sure. minutes. That's the standout for me. Like every World Cup kind of has something unique about it. You know, you have your Vuvuzelas in South Africa, in Germany. I remember just the pink skies at night. That's kind of what stood out to me. I don't know if that was really a theme to anybody else, but that's what I'll take away from it. Uh, from this World Cup, it's hey, listen, 30 second elevator pitch. You're going to have the greatest tournament in the world. Every game is going to go seven or eight minutes extra, and there's going to be goals and drama. And by the way, a team from Africa is going to make it to the semifinals. And the final game is going to have six goals and a penalty shootout in it. And it's going to be, again, prisoner of the moment, the greatest sporting event in the history of sporting events, uh, all packed into 120-plus minutes of action. So I know there was a lot of talk about this World Cup being – in the middle of the season. And I think most people were saying it's going to make for a lower quality tournament. But it seems like, which is kind of, if you think about it logically, you're like, okay, when they play in July, right, it's at the end of the season, a grueling, you know, eight, nine month stretch for, especially for, for guys that play at the top clubs, like they're playing like 60 games, you know, so maybe by June, July, like they're tired, which is, is normal, right? They're exhausted after a long club season of all these domestic cups and leagues and whatever. But this one, I mean, how many games has Messi played leading up to this? I don't know, 20, 30? Uh, maybe not even that many. Probably less. I think yeah. the, yeah, maybe even less than that, uh, especially when he's at PSG, they rotate. So I wonder, like, do you think that that had something to do with the quality of the play and the quality of the games we saw? It's, mid, it's not even mid-season, right? It's like maybe 25% into the season and everyone is coming into form. They just had the summer off. They go through training camp. They go through a couple of games to kind of let get the rust off. And now they're coming into this World Cup already in a bit of rhythm. And I, I think that that weighed heavily into the quality of play, the defensive discipline, uh, the tactics, the execution. All of that, I think, played a huge part um, into this World Cup. I don't think it'll ever be in the winter again, uh, just because uh, of, of how conventional and, and custom it is to soccer. is like a big, you know, it's big on tradition. They would probably put it back in the summertime. But that's what makes this World Cup so unique. It, we were not really crazy about it being in the wintertime, but I mean, that that's a huge shocker that it ended up delivering this way. It's been tough, like having it compete with some of the other sports, like having NFL and uh, World Cup games on at the same time, did a lot of dual screen action, but I just looked it up. I mean, Messi 
has played 13 league matches. You know, throw in, I don't know, another 10, maybe less than that, of Champions League, the the League Cup there, whatever it's called. So maybe, you know, at the end of the 2018 season when he's playing in Russia, like these guys played, I don't know, 80 games. <laughs> like He's exhausted. So, I mean, especially for a guy a little bit older, but in general. So I, I really think that maybe it had something to do with it. Like you said, I don't think it's going to ever happen again, but I think it's cool that it did happen. And it's really set up for a unique World Cup. And I think it's just a unique fan experience of having it in a new place with a new timing and and everything was just different. And that made it cool. Yep. And it's funny that my... I forgot to say this earlier. We were talking about home field. Argentina and Brazil probably had the most home field at the tournament. It was easily it's so great for argentina for their fans to be rewarded for traveling so well but man every time those two teams played it was a sea of yellow or a sea of blue and it was genius that they kept what is it like almost a week between the semi and the final because it gave people a chance to to make it there and they were i was reading stories of people like selling off their life savings <laughs> so they could so they could get a ticket from qatar or to, to qatar which is you know, it's not a very common destination, but I'm sure it was. I'm sure the Argentine airline, whatever it's called, probably set up a bunch of extra flights to take people there. Um, so, I mean, for me, I think the, the theme of the World Cup was, of course, the upsets. Just I feel like there was more than ever. Um, Morocco being the dark horse underdog darlings that, that made this in, insane run. And again, none of it felt like a fluke. I feel like some of the other, maybe like Cinderella runs, South Korea and O2 maybe Turkey was it oh six whenever they got third place maybe that was oh two as well but a lot of those felt fluky you know but this one was not they they dominated the groups they didn't let a single goal in they let they the, the opponents did not score a single goal on them until the Croatia game you know or sorry until uh the France game yep the only other goal they gave up in five games was an own goal to uh I believe it was Australia so just and they had the home field they had the obvious home field so we talked about it before you know maybe it was the u.s with all the expats it's like we maybe we should have gave morocco a little more credit i don't know did you have them advancing no i think we we talked about when we talked about dark horses when we previewed this world cup i had denmark and the netherlands as dark horses denmark didn't make it out of the group and the netherlands lost to i mean expectedly to argentina Uh, they did look good and they had a breakout player in Corey uh, Gakpo, but I did not have Morocco getting this far. I, I did not see them being this defensive juggernaut and winning games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think just the way they united the global south and, and Africa and Arabs and Muslims and all that, just I think that's going to be the most memorable thing for us, at least, aside yeah. from Messi <laughs> and his legacy and the goat talk and all that. My Morocco T-shirt that I ordered two weeks ago came in yesterday, right after they lost the uh, third place game. So that was uh, <laughs> the amount of demand that Morocco gear was in. I think that the way they played is also going to have an effect on future international games and, and people trying to create a disciplined defensive strategy. They played like this 4-1, 4-1 with Amrabat as like the defensive thug right in front of goal, and then just this really organized link-up play. Morocco can find the goal scorer. Uh, watch out, everybody. You can say that for the U.S. too. 
<laughs> the U.S. can find, Fingers crossed. Can find a, a goal scorer. Watch out, everybody. Yeah, they got four years to to figure something out because we can't go out in the group stage uh, in the in you know when it's when it's stateside. So they got to do something different. They got four years to figure it out. I hope they don't bring back this coach. Uh, if they do, <laughs> um, I'll have a separate pod to talk about. Uh, maybe like a five ten minute thing, just me kind of rambling about what how international coaching tenure is supposed to work. It's time to move on. Let's just say that. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. Any final thoughts or parting shots? Parting shots. Ronaldo fanboys, I'm not sorry for you at all. I'm so glad that you're upset. <laughs> eat it. Eat it. Eat your heart out. It's over. The debate is over. It really is. Messi is immortalized. Yes, Ronaldo's one of the greatest. But on that Mount Rushmore now, it's already etched. They're, they're just blowing off the dust. Pele, Maradona, Messi, and then Ronaldo's is kind of like pending. Does anyone else come up? Uh, I'm just kidding. Look, I mean, it was a, these two guys the last 15 years dominating like this. I, I am I am happy to see. Yes, I'm still happy to see and drink the tears of Ronaldo fans. Um, I think you know what's wild about this. I heard this conversation somewhere else. It's good to point out here is that you didn't see Portugal's players rooting for Ronaldo to win it the way Messi's teammates were rooting for him to win it. To the point where it seemed like the online discourse that's made everyone insane affected Argentina's locker room, where they wanted it just in, to spite the the legacy uh, and put Messi over the top. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're not uh, body language experts, but you could see, you could see it. It was pretty clear who they were really pulling for, and you know who they weren't really pulling for. So, and France excellent footballing nation their fourth world cup appearance in our lifetime and uh they're i think they'll be back again it, it just uh, goes to show there's a lot of talent in that country they have mbappe who's going to kind of lead that best player in the world discourse for i think many years to come and i, I think we'll see france again competing for uh, a euro title very soon yeah you talked about the youth in argentina it's it's the same exact thing in france with you know Mbappe, Shuomeni, Kamavinga, et cetera, et cetera. Like, they go too deep at every position, and a lot of those guys are in their 20s. So, And I can't wait for the Euros. should be great. Uh, next summer, we also have the Women's World Cup taking place in Australia, so it's going to be a little tough with the timing. But um, the Women's World Cup is a great time, and the U.S. always looks great in it, so that's a plus. Um, but, yeah, thanks for your time today, man. Um, we really appreciate all you guys listening, checking us out. Uh, our last podcast with Tark Abdulahad has done really well, so we hope you guys check that out. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure to follow us on all the major social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we're on Instagram and Twitter at 4040VisionPod. And we are on all of the major podcasting platforms, uh, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, whatever. So make sure to check us out, follow, download, and, and subscribe to our podcast. Thanks, Uzama. Appreciate you, man. Thanks, everyone.